Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. And we're just about at the end of 2017. We actually made it to the end of the year. And there was, in addition to all the other wonderful things that happened this year, there was a bunch of great music that came out. And Rolling Stone has put out its top 50 best albums of 2017. And I thought maybe we'd go through some of those albums and maybe you'd discover some new music that you like on there or new music to hate, whatever. And I have with me in the studio, Brittany Spanos. Hey, Brittany. Hey. And John Dolan. Hey. And we might be joined in a few minutes by Chris Weingarten. We'll see. First of all, just like we did last year, and it seems like I can't believe that was a whole year ago, we, we started out last year talking about the general trends, like what was happening in music this year, what you take away from the the top 50. It's, it's almost easier to extrapolate from the top 20 because that's where we're not just hitting us, we're hitting the, the sort of general public. They tend to be bigger stuff for the most part. So what are you taking away from the general kind of direction of music this year? I'll start with you, Brittany. I feel like this is one of those kind of rare years where it doesn't feel like a single genre is totally dominating, especially when it comes to really excellent, solid albums. I would say in like the single sphere, it's been very dominated by rap. For sure. Very dominated by um, a certain viral level of rap music. But I would say with all the albums that we've seen this year and that just taking a look at our list, every single genre really hit a great stride with really strong performances by some of their biggest artists in all those genres. You know, I think you actually made a really important point, which is there's an incredible split between sort of what was popping singles wise, Mm -hmm. just what you heard on the radio, what people were talking about, which was overwhelmingly in part because of changes in the way that the charts are determined have been like sort of viral hip hop and younger and younger and younger, literally until you get Lil Pump who was just born, you know, who was just came out of the womb and started rapping about Gucci game. And a rare year where all the big singles, the biggest singles are new artists or the most memorable singles of the year have mostly been majority new artists where we're getting a lot of veteran artists kind of coming through with their like big albums this year. Right. That's the pop charts. And then here we have our, our albums of the year, which are sort of in, and it's not just ours. It's really everyone's sort of critical take on the best Mm -hmm. albums. Don't bear us a ton of resemblance to what was popping on the, on the, on the pop charts. Mm -hmm. You know, I think our our biggest representation of that moment is is Migos who actually stepped up and made not just a bunch of great singles and seemingly like 10,000 features <laughs> but they made a great album called Culture and I think that's going to be the test for a lot of the sort of viral rappers at the moment can they step up and make an entire album that's yeah. great you know I do love that the first artist we mentioned in the top 50 albums podcast is Lil Pump, who did not make <laughs> the, one of the best anythings of this year. But he's very much on my mind. Is, is Lil Pump on your mind? Yeah, uh, not as much as I would hope on a day-to-day basis. Or maybe as, a, he's a, as he needs to be on a day-to-day basis. Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. I feel like one of the things that kind of unifies our albums list, at least, is a sense of 
uh, if you go to the top 50, four of the albums have the word American in the title. Mm-hmm. And Damn. I know, isn't that? And it's a sense, I think, of this kind of shared conversation we're having about really our personal and national trauma that's going on right now, I think has come up a lot. I think in every genre, whether it was R&B or whether it was country or whether it was indie rock or whether it was hip hop, it was there was a sense of sadness and starting to process that. And in different kinds of ways, you had the Kesha albums about a very real personal trauma. It's not metaphorical. It's not about America. The the Jason Isabel album and the Margot Price albums were both about kind of the red state, kind of coming to terms with the life in, in sort of red state America post-Trump. The national album is more of kind of maybe about a middle class, kind of Brooklyn-y kind of sense of darkness and fear. Jay-Z sang about his own personal failings on his record. It seemed like Randy Newman sang about um, historical, you know, he sang about the Cuban Missile Crisis, he sang about the Scopes trial, he sang about the modern residents of all these things. LCD Sound System, the same thing, taking this old old, fun dance music from 15 years ago and making it dark and kind of... It seemed like that was kind of something that came through throughout all the genres that that showed up here. Even Lana Del Rey was like, had thoughts about America all of a sudden. (laughs) Well, thoughts about America besides I like making out with old dudes in front of the American flag. (laughs) That was her previous thought about America. Well, it seemed like if you didn't do it, you were like kind of copping out. Which, if you think about it, that's way the way music was say 10 years ago or 20 years ago it would just be inconceivable that it would be like this now I guess the counter argument and we may have gone there before is our friend Katy Perry who attempted to address all this and in a way that, that people didn't dig. So she, Well, she's the exception that proves the thing. I mean, she was okay. the worst example. It's like she had to do it. It was a disaster. You don't, you don't, you know, some people don't do it. Don't, don't try it, but some, but everyone did. Katie's mistake was no American in the title. <laughs> that was, <laughs> only she would have called it, yeah. And, and even Harry Styles, and that gets to our singles list, but I mean, Sign of the Times, what a super relevant feeling song. And I, I may have even said this on the show before, but I'll just keep saying it. For me, that's the song when they do the recap of all the horrible shit that happened in 2017, they're going to play that song over it. Totally. Let's, let's hope there's not one more terrible thing that happens in It ends with a mushroom cloud going <laughs> yeah. off like that. Yeah. It's, it's the sign of the top. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's how I picture this year, basically. But it is a thing where, on one hand, you have the relevance. On the other hand, you have not only Taylor, but Lord, mm-hmm. who made a spectacular album that has very little sort of social relevance yeah. you know so it's like if you're not going to dig into the the now you better just make a really great album yes you know and, and I think in her case she did right I totally agree I mean that was a record that seemed to take this you know grandeur and huge soundscapes of electronic music and boil it down to the most intimate personal like a whispered thing in the corner of a big dance club or whatever on every song and uh, it was a huge leap forward for her as an artist you know going beyond just kind of I'm a high school kind of writing poetry kind of thing into something just more timeless and eternal that ties back to even music before rock in the sort of the sort of torchy kind of quality of it, it just as a great statement it was, it's our number two we should maybe say like which where these fell but that yeah, was number sure. two yeah 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 and that you know we may dig deeper into the top 20 yeah, a little later but no 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 absolutely the lord was number two kendrick it's not a count and we already released this people you can google it right now where there's no spoilers <laughs> we can jump right. number one was was kendrick lamar and there was a lot of debate between Kendrick and Lord, I have a feeling, Brittany Spanos, that you might have argued for Lord in that. Yeah. 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 Love Lord. I mean, Kendrick is one of our greatest artists right now, especially. I mean, the hot streak of all of his albums has been unprecedented in, within the last like 15 years, I would say. But I think that when it comes down to it, melodrama feels 
not only like a huge feat for this year, but also feels like a career feat for an artist like Lord. And so that's why that album is a personal favorite. But I'm very pleased with Dan being number one as well. It was a tough one. Yeah. I will say we played around with Kesha mm-hmm. as number one. Yeah. And I think that is an album that has a little bit of trouble reaching the very people who might like it the most, <laughs> which is rock fans. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Actually, if you have to sort of free your mind. I remember when I said in my Kesha cover story, just offhand, that she made one of the year's best albums, and people on Twitter went nuts as if I was insane. Yeah. Because it's this weird mix of rockism, but then you have to flip it because she's being a little rockist in what she did with her album, but they don't even understand that she could do that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's ridiculous. It's it's both kind of sexist and it's also, yeah. it's very annoying to me. But it's, first of all, why is it inconceivable that, that Kesha can make one of the year's best albums? Why? Because she's a pop artist? Because she wants to use autotune? Because she's a woman? I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think for before this, her albums, though great, were like almost self-consciously kind of trashy in a, in, in a good way. And it's funny, you're right. If you go up to someone who doesn't follow music or follows it a little bit and go like, well, Lord is number one. Oh, that makes sense. Lord sounds important. Catch it. It just seems to the tech seem tacky when in mm-hmm. fact she made one of the most emotionally deep and 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 uh, uh, records and also kind of emotionally like interesting where she's like going through this awful experience and coming out of it and like laughing and you know there's a there's a sense of humor to the record that a lot of records kind of don't have in this kind of pretentious times of pop music plus she's like you guys say playing with all your genres mm-hmm. going should, back to the we 70s should actually hear, the 80s, we should actually yeah. hear bastards from the Kesha record in a minute just to illustrate what's going on here but one of the reasons we looked at Kesha as number one which by the way it was not again it was number four was because it was so surprising. It was this artist that people refused to take seriously and had an obviously huge up against the odds thing when she was in this terrible battle with her producer who she makes you know horrifying allegations against and she had to start over because said producer was providing the backbone of, of her production sound. And, and here she triumphs and makes this brilliant album that it is a pop album. There's a lot of pop going on about it, on it, but there's also, you know, she has songs with the Eagles of Death Metal, mm-hmm. you know, and she has this opening track, Bastards, let's hear it. And this, this says it all about the, the difference between old Kesha and new Kesha. I got too many people Got left to prove wrong All those motherfuckers If you thought you didn't like Kesha, you probably like Kesha now. <laughs> Come on. It's uh, it's amazing. Yeah. But that I mean that that was a fun surprise. Uh, LCD Sound System was not a fun surprise because you'd expect them to make a, a great record. Um, and then to, to jump to the bottom 10, the bottom 20, mm-hmm. there were a lot of surprises. There were things that I had not heard that um, were really good. What did so, you like? What some other, the there are some other things I didn't like. I <laughs> yeah. got to be honest with you. I, I, you know, there's, a, there's individual constituencies. That's the thing is people imagine that a publication like Rolling Stone, they think it's some one hive mind mm-hmm. that likes everything. And it's just not, it's just messier than that. There's people yeah. have their own tastes, and it's not just now, it's always been. There's always been these. John, you were talking about how people have dogs in the fight, and sometimes the dogs surface, and and they they make their way onto the list. I think <laughs> yeah. as we get to the back of the list, especially, we all kind of get our little stray or whatever. And like you know, the someone likes metal more than someone else. Someone likes free jazz more than someone else. And like, you know, I don't think you can ever say. I sitting here, any of us have the objective fifty albums in our head. It's like, of course, it's a, it's somewhat relative towards the end, and you have to make the case, and that's why we these come with little, little write ups that explain why they're good, and the, you know you try to do your best to sort of 
prove your point, but uh, I can't think there's a record, there's, there are any albums on here that you would not want to hear, mm-hmm. no matter what your taste is. And you might not love every one of them, but you're going to have things, you kind of have personal things you love. Well, I really like this album by uh, Open Mike Eagle, who's a rapper, and uh, I guess from Chicago, and had a really jazzy, melodic flow, and maybe we can hear something from that. It's, uh, so it's Open Mike Eagle as the rapper, and he, he has an album called Brick Body Kids Still Daydream, which is really hard to say, uh, and it's about a single housing project, the Robert Taylor Homes from on Chicago's South Side, which was demolished in 2007. And it, it reminded me a little bit of, of uh, like Nas's debut and just telling the story, really tight stories about one place and one time. And I, I had not encountered it until it popped up on the list. And I, I thought it was really cool. And we actually are being joined in the studio by Chris Weingarten. Hi, Chris. Hi there. Were you an advocate for Open Mic Eagle? I absolutely was an advocate for Open Mic Eagle. I think it's um, really unique in that uh, it mixes a historical reality with his own kind of comic book narrative and invented characters and uh, an examination of himself as well. So it really is like this this album that ties in the historical and the personal and the completely fantastical all in this uh, very uh, unique stew where you don't know where one thing ends and the other thing begins. Let's hear hear something from, from Open Mike Eagle. Don't call me naked, a rapper My motherfucking name is Michael Eagle I'm sovereign, I'm from a line of ghetto Superheroes, I holler, I got something Then I also liked uh, Songhai Blues Amazing band, amazing yeah. band So that's that's Songhai for anyone looking for this at home S-O-N-G-H-O-Y Blues And they're sort of like ZZ Top if they were from Mali Yeah, I mean, and, this, and, you know, and me standing for them is... Is something because I generally do not like any new rock music that comes out when it comes from a traditional guitar, bass, drums, rock band. I, I you know, it personally does not do anything for me these days. But you know, these guys rip in a way that's uh, classic and informed by a lot of uh, current stuff, and uh, you know, they shred. I love them. It'd be cool to hear this song. Uh, Sahara, which actually has Iggy Pop on it. And, and his lyrics on that song are kind of talking heads like David Byrne, like, you know, uh, taking a big picture through a, a weird sideways angle, um, which I really, which I really love. He almost, he almost sounds like Byrne a little bit on the track, I feel. So let's hear it. It's a good, it's a really good one. It's got a bad reputation in the developed nations, cause big and empty. Sounds a little bit like it might be the theme to a new Netflix show, but the the rest of the <laughs> the rest of the album is 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 even more unique than that. I really liked it, so that was a great discovery. Uh, and I also realized that I like Chris Stapleton more than I I was willing to previously admit. His his From a Room Volume One is, is number thirty, and he's he's really good. Although there is the first song on Chris Stapleton's From a Room Volume One, it's called Broken Halo, I believe. So let's hear that opening track, and maybe we can recognize the the chord progression. Say my Sarah Broken Halo It feels last night And then it blew up 
his house too. Anyway, it's the same song. Um, but so good for. I, I liked it the first time. I like it the second time. It's really good. But it is literally the exact same chord progression as Lex City by Bruce Springsteen. That's totally cool. I liked it. But that was my. We're just going through my discoveries. So congratulations to Chris Templeton. I hope you don't get sued. Uh, you can't. Good news. You cannot copyright a chord progression, and the melody's different. Um, the the J Sum album. Uh, everybody works. Do we have a big fan of that? Because I'm a fan of that. I am too. Uh, yeah. And I think the most interesting revelation about Jay Sam is, is is how much she loves Steely Dan. Yeah. It's this bedroom yes. indie rock Steely Dan record. And there's something so uh, amusing about that. And you know, something like One More Time, Please. I must admit I would have not figured that out as her influence until I read it. And then once you read it, you can't stop hearing it. But it's this perfectionist streak a ton of other influences going yeah. on in that but it's, it's a cool record what did you like about it I guess this what you just said the sort of bedroom intimacy combined with this weird it's not like slick but liking that kind of music like liking like minute by minute by the Doobie Brothers in Asia and stuff like that and thinking it's or like and thinking it's like both funny but also good and then also the fact that she just writes really good songs well let's hear that song I mentioned And that sort of sounds like they played over a scene in like Riverdale, I yeah. guess. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll, we're going to music supervise all the shows as, as we do. As we do that. That's that's a free service we, we provide here. I want to jump back to number fifty, which was Code Orange's "Forever," a and very controversial entry in the Rolling Stone office. I mm. can I can say it, it provided uh, many arguments in the in the office. So this is a, a, a very aggro album. Uh, I started to understand why you guys were pushing for it so hard after I got sort of the past the first track. When I got to the more atmospheric stuff, mm. the Nine Inch Nails influence and that kind of stuff, where it becomes more interesting than just a like thrashing. But t- right. tell me from your perspective why you pushed. So there was a, a hard push from both you and some other people. Yeah, to some other people design. in the office. Yeah, yeah. you know, like they um, in the years since say, uh, you know, Converges Jane Doe in in 2001, you know, people have explored all these different uh, variations of combining, you know, hardcore punk music and metal music in ways that are not only sort of seamless and natural, but unique and and cool. In a year where Converge also released a great record, like these guys are really pushing boundaries and they're willing to put anything they want in this in the stew. And some of their stuff is like incredibly poppy, some of their stuff is incredibly weird. I didn't get to the poppy stuff. <laughs> where was the poppy stuff? Uh, the, uh, <laughs> it's there. Like, you know, the, the, the songs which... Uh, not the ones that the drummer doesn't sing <laughs> are are the are the popular ones. So let's hear this song "Kill the Creator" from that album a little bit and, and see why this is a controversial pick. We ready? Okay, let's go. This is a cool song. I 
left there, that decrescendo, like, you know, like that is, <laughs> you know, the, the slow decrescendo into the, into the mosh part, the incredibly, you know, taut rhythm section. Like everyone is really tight. It's really razor sharp. It's not sloppy at all. Um, it's a very controlled ugliness. I think it would be a pretty good gym album. I have to say, I'm, I, again, I'm, I'm giving a set, but no, it's it's like I mean, there is there's not a lot of stuff that's hitting that pressing that button right now that's any good of the just fuck you know aggro awesome stuff. And I, I so I I understand. I understand. I'm 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 starting to li- I'm starting to really like it actually. Uh, <laughs> well, it is funny. Well, we, you know, we dropped you know the the uh, the top twenty metal records list is dropping next week, so uh, you can that'll have, hit that that note. Yeah, it'll hit that note twenty times. <laughs> twenty times. <laughs> so you're listening to Rolling Stone Music now. We're talking about the top fifty albums of the year, or at least the ones we've decided are the top fifty albums of the year, and we'll be right back with a lot more. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking about the best 50 albums of 2017, or at least the ones Rolling Stone has decided are the best 50 albums of 2017. And we have in the studio Brittany Spanos, John Dolan, and Chris Weingarten. And in the break, Chris was talking about a sort of general trend. We At the beginning, we were talking about some general trends. Just pointing out that, as you put it, while a lot of the pop acts were making rock albums and a lot of the rock acts were making pop albums. I think that's a great point. Yeah, you know, it's 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 funny that divide has always been there, but you know, we really held up. We really in the office like love the Kesha record, love the Harry Styles record because they sound like classic rock records. Right. And meanwhile, uh, you know, all these people that used to be alternative rock icons are like glossing up their sound, creating these like weird dance records, and it's and it's across the board. It's like Queens of the Stone Age got Mark Ronson. Beck went back to that kind of you know midnight vultures-y, uh, you know kitchen sink pop stuff. Saint Vincent made a pop album, which is wild. Paramore. Uh, made a glossy pop album, you know. Uh, Grizzly Bear made a synthy pop-ish yeah, record. Well, ish. for them, for them. For yeah, them, yeah. you know, and it's like, and then, you know, you look at who our, our pop stars are these days. 
it's you know it is bands like Fallout Boy and Maroon Five, and if you look at who is selling and getting the acclaim and doing arena tours like in releasing critically acclaimed albums like rock bands you know it's beyonce and it's uh you know it's artists like that so it's uh it's an interesting way that that dynamic has has shifted before we go back to individual albums what do we think of the year and jack antonoff who has quite a number of albums in our top 20 he was involved with we, what uh, what is it about Jack Antonoff? Do you think, Brittany, that that is uh, lent himself to so many successful albums with women consistently mm-hmm. this year? And whereas his own album is nowhere to be found on our <laughs> list, I think what was crucial for this year was Jack Antonoff stopped making songs that sounded like Jack Antonoff songs. Mm. I feel like he became a much better pop producer who worked better with the vocals of Lord, of Annie Clark, of Taylor Swift, as opposed to trying to turn them into this like hive sound of what a Bleachers album would be. Like I feel like the songs that he made on 1989 sounded too much like Jack Antonoff, where they d- sounded disconnected at times from Taylor Swift and who she can be and is as a writer, as a singer, as an artist in general. And I feel like what we heard this year was him really coalescing and working really well with these major major female artists let's start going down towards the sort of the top of the list of um, number 28 vince staples big fish theory uh, i love big i love vince staples and in some ways he's sort of an outlier in current rap in some ways w- w- what do you like about this specific album you know the thing i love about the vince staples record is you know he was uh, you know, his last record was critically adored because it was this vivid look at his at his upbringing, and he comes back with an album that's almost nothing like that, but instead is mining the absolute vanguard of electronic music. He tweeted something recently about how you know Big Fish Theory should be nominated for like a Best Electronic Music Grammy, and mm-hmm. it's like it makes sense. Like he, it really is. He really is tapping into the absolute cutting edge of electronic sounds and and melding it seamlessly, not in a uh, cloying like now I'm gonna make my Diplo record, drop it to the floor, y'all. Like it really is like yeah. If he sounded like that, it would be really oh well, yeah, no, it'd be terrible, <laughs> terrible. Yeah, no, it'd have been really bad. World's worst, worst World, rapper, terrible. Yeah, <laughs> what's that what's whole the- voice for sixty minutes? Terrible. <laughs> what what song do you think we should hear from Vince Staples if you had to pick one? Oh, man. Is that too hard? Well, there's, yeah, right. There's a line from Kendrick where he, he says to Twilight the Zeitgeist. Oh, I which love is, it. You know, so, so Kendrick can uh, have one of the best lines on other people's records as usual. <laughs> but I responded more immediately like everyone else or like more stereotypically everyone else to the previous Finn Staples record. But it is cool to see him stretching out and also to, for him to break away from the thing that everyone was obsessed with about him. But let's hear that, that one song, Yeah, Right. Is your house big? Is your car nice? Is your girl fat? Fuck her all night? Is you well paid? Are your shows packed? If your song played, well they know that. How to thug life? How to love life? How to work low? Is your buzz right? Yeah, cool as hell. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we could even use this if you don't mind me sure. segging. Yeah. You know, those those types of sounds, those very, very glossy, high definition, virtual reality, you know, sometimes sort of uncanny valley sounds are really becoming very popular in the in the in the post internet 
post era. And it also segs into the Jay Lynn record, which I feel is the electronic record of the year um, because she constructed a... And that's Black Origami, and it's number 23. Yes. And that's for people, again, trying to find this stuff at home. It's J-L-I-N, and the album's called Black Origami, and has actually a picture of an origami uh, elephant on it. Yeah. But yes. But yes, you know, it's like she took those type of sounds and created her, you know, her own sound design with them, and then created this, like, insane, sputtering, broken, rhythmically convoluted typhoon of of these sounds and it's just a stunning thing to listen to it's, it's definitely my, it's my album of the year let's hear something from them I'm having a lot of trouble music supervising that where would that appear on what would, what would that be? Uh, Black Mirror on Planet Zorp. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. So <laughs> let's continue going down the list. Aronofsky, cool. Aronofsky would love that. Aronofsky would oh, find it. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, well, while someone gets addicted to some weird future drug, they play that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 27 is Drake, More Life, which we've talked about extensively. Uh, Dolan's our, our big fan of that. And you, if you want to hear about that, go to our, our half year, best of the half year episode. <laughs> That's right. Jump, just stop listening to this. Go to that. Uh, number 26 is Lana Del Rey's Lust for Life, which, okay, overall, I found this record a touch dull, which is a common, and Brittany, just shaking no. your head. I, I love Lana. With Lana in general, sometimes it's like you're either entranced or you're bored. I think there's, there's very little in between. This time I was a little bored, but Brittany yeah. disagrees strongly. I mean, especially after Honeymoon and Ultravi- Ultraviolence, which were very left field pop albums. Like she was doing sort of this kind of like 60s, like rock thing on Ultraviolence. And then Honeymoon was like much more kind of campy, like Valley of the Dolls esque. And Lust for Life is very witchy pop. And I feel like this is her most straight up pop album since. Born to Die. Since the debut, yeah. 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 And even, it goes even further. I mean, having, you know, ASAP Rocky on there and like having these much more genuinely kind of hip hop leaning pop moments that she, I feel like she's grown a lot as an artist and a writer where they feel a little bit more solid and even more current. And so it, it feels like a little weird to have after these really, really left field albums that she just had. So, but I, I enjoy a lot of the songs on here. Fair enough. And, yeah. and again, it does get into social commentary, which is very mm-hmm. unexpected, although sometimes it, it veers into unintentional self-parody when you have Lana. <laughs> Coachella. Yeah, Coachella, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, but then then there's uh, Paramore's After Laughter, which is another a great example of what uh, Chris was talking about, which is uh, a rock band really getting super rhythmic, super poppy. But I really like this song called Forgiveness by Paramore, which was more, I believe, on the on the ballad end. So let's hear that, that song, Forgiveness. That plays over the opening credits of like a romantic comedy. Anyway, um, so number 24 is Valerie June, The Order of Time, which is a really cool Americana album that I really liked. There's a song called Astral Plane on there that's really good. Um, and it, it, we described it as woozy reverb and disarmingly tender flying on the ground vocals. And, but just generally, it's kind of like an unexpected, it's, it's like a, an Americana thing with some unexpected stuff 
coming into. I think you were you a fan of that record. I was. I just like that she seems to be kind of between every genre that's considered Americana. It's like there's R and B, there's country, there's soul, there's roots, there's folk. It's, it's sometimes hard to tell which decade she's even kind of referencing or playing with. It's like such a unique sound. And her singing obviously is. I don't. You know, it's completely its own uh, style and sort of its own thing. She's just a really interesting artist. Well, let's hear that one track. Out. We'll jump to number 21, which is uh, Jason Isbell and the 400 unit, the Nashville Sound. Do we have a fan of that here? Should we, or, 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 it's kind of dawn? Kind of, yeah. I would say, you know, I mean, definitely one of these, uh, you know, one of the, I guess, most articulate, interesting songwriters probably in Nashville and also sort of just, again, like mining this kind of, like there's a song where he just turns anxiety into an anthem. Um, and uh, it's uh, another one of the, yeah, like sort of just going into the sort of dark heart of Red America and some of these and trying to really piece it together and figure it out. And it's it's a, not a happy, not an upbeat record, but a, but a really solid record. It kind of reflects either like Trump voters or their neighbors who didn't vote for Trump. I no, think it's, it's the, the guy I, like, yeah. I think it's the, the Trump, the neighbors of Trump voters. Well, he but, can hang out with his neighbor, but it's like the stuff they just can't talk about. Yeah. I mean, Jason is definitely not a Trump voter. I know that yeah. for a fact, but I, you know, it, it is, it's, it's that neighborhood for sure. Yeah. It'd be worth hearing uh, Cumberland Gap, which is a song about addiction from that record. A pretty, pretty timely thought, but it, it's Jason is both just like, you know, that sort of it, it's down the middle root singer songwriter so let's hear Cumberland Gap and then we'll move on to the next there's an answer here if I look hard enough there's a reason why they never got to open a Tom, for Tom Petty, actually. That would have worked really well, yeah, to my a, knowledge. Yeah, there's a song in here that's like straight out of, I forget which Eagles song, but he's, he, he, he was in the Drive-By Truckers, and he kind of, that's the same Roots thing, but, and they're also doing a similar thing these days, kind of talking about the same problems with what's going on politically and socially in that part of the country. Um, and he does it, I think, in a lot of interesting ways on this record, personally, and, and also kind of big picture. And number 20 is SZA. I've just been calling uh, it Control. Control, yeah. Control, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, which I think, which I, you know, I have no evidence, but I like to think is like the, an, the computer keyboard, yeah, yeah, but an art, like a, an arch reference to the Janet Jackson yeah. album as well. Aha, yeah. uh-huh. okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of that. What do we like about this record? I mean, this album, I feel like, is going to be. It presents the idea that this is going to be SZA's classic album to me in a lot of ways. Like listening to it just feels so enduring, and I feel like I'm going to continue listening to it for years to come and look back at this moment and see kind of SZA take over R&B and pop over the next like 10 years like I feel like we're going to be seeing her everywhere after this, this may album. prove to be a very influential album yeah this album for sure I mean if you look at the way that so many other R&B artists have responded to this and the way that she has kind of become so omnipresent in music because of this incredible writing this incredible sound it just feels so of the moment but also it feels really enduring in a way that kind of transcends so many other albums to me and we should probably hear drew barrymore mm-hmm. from that why is it so hard to accept the party is over so we talked a little bit about um saint vincent before 
St. Vincent is in number 18. We should also talk about number 19, which is Father John Misty, Pure Comedy. An album I like a lot. I don't think Britney likes it all. Nope. Um, I think it's it's a lot. It's a lot of lyrics. He's it's a, a lot. lot. He's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's hard to... It's hard to listen to all in one sitting because it's it's like having someone like download a novel at you. Yep. At, <laughs> always, at always the sign of a great album. Yeah. But I I I think I think it's it's fairly brilliant and really interesting and the combination of the sort of like really lulling roots rock combined with like absolutely mental lyrics is really fascinating to me uh, but we've talked about it before so we, we, we'll agree to uh, disagree on that one <laughs> then St. Vincent again at number 18 uh, again a, a, a sort of a rock person going pop again with the help of Jack Antonoff so many trends in one <laughs> in one record um, and you know I, I might prefer earlier St. Vincent I don't know does, does anyone prefer this St. Vincent to pre- Antonoff <laughs> I <do. Vincent>. yeah. <laughs> yeah I love this album yeah. I think that her vocals sound incredible everything about it just like coalesces really well it's just very visceral and very powerful Happy Birthday Johnny is a yeah. standout tune it's probably worth hearing what else did you what, what else do you like about that record um, I I just found it such I feel like she navigated moving to pop without losing any part of her sound like I don't think there was anything lost from who she is or what we love about her. What's your happy birthday, Johnny? Remember one Christmas I gave you Jim Carroll Intended it as a cautionary tale You said you saw yourself inside there Dark Number 16 is Margot Price, All-American Maid. And is is that is that a sweet spot for you, John? Not super sweet, but I like it a lot. It's like kind of going back to like Loretta Lynn kind of era early 70s classic kind of traditional country and updating it you know you have a song like pay gap and you have a song about the family farm and you have a song it's a it, you know about trying to making it and it's got a sort of feminist response to um it's feminist it's the feminist kind of side of the same thing jason isabel's talking about is i think it's a pretty good she's only on her second record and she made it a year after the first one and she's already made two very good records pretty much out of the gate so i think yeah i, I, I will go for that one now let's hear pay gap really fast Honey, I work so hard for my money And I leave my babies at home Breaking my back trying to bring home a check Yeah, it's awesome. And number 15 is Courtney Barnett and Kurt Vile. And I love that these two made a record together. I, I, lo- I love Kurt Vile. We all love Courtney Barnett. I love that it's Kurt and Courtney. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. A, it's hilarious. It's a great bonus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of wonder whether it's just like they just couldn't resist making it's a record. Like we together. have just to do this. We have. Yeah. We got to do it. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's such a um, funny joke. But it's uh, it's it, it's sort of a delightful, just sort of like I would say indie pop. Except now, when you say indie pop, it implies that it's a pop record, and actually, it's a indie. actual. It's a rock it's an actual, album. It's an actual rock on album. It. They play it's guitars. Funny. They right. sing songs. Right. All these retrograde things you're not supposed to do. <laughs> they do them all. It's great. <laughs> Uh, there's a song called Continental Breakfast, which is a, which is a great yeah. one about their friendship. Which the record's just mainly about them having a conversation about their music and their friendship and life, and it's just a great record to spend time just in listening to. I'd be more into it if it was about the Key and Peele sketch. <laughs> they are they are. Uh, I've rarely seen an album cover where two people look more stoned. It's awesome. It's <laughs> totally uh, true. But, yeah, but what's their Continental Breakfast? 
You won't believe what I could have told you But I don't believe I have the balls to let you know it weirdly, I, I actually had it on a sort of like playlist next to a Margot Price song, and it just actually weirdly, oh, totally. it slides in <laughs> yeah. bizarrely well, actually. And good sequencing on that one. And then uh, number 14 is, is Waxahachie, Out in the Storm, and that's a, 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 another, another great sort of uh, indie rocky record. And uh, we talked about Randy Newman at number 13. And uh, you know, one of the we don't have a ton of like super veteran veterans on here, and he there made weren't it a lot of veteran records yeah. this year. Actually, it was kind of like a down year for vets. And then we should talk about number twelve, Jay Z, versus number nine, Migos. Now, why, Chris, did we put the upstarts Migos above the legend Jay Z? <laughs> um, well, Jay Z made a uh, a very honest powerful record about uh you know his infidelity and where he fits in the world and you know there's a political edge to it only one anti-semitic line in the whole record <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. really good. it's a triumph <laughs> um but there's a couple of clunker lines in there there's a couple of his flow isn't exactly at volume three level right now it's dad uh, rap it's it's dad rap yeah. and it's like you know i i'm into it like i love it i think it's fantastic but you know, Migos basically made a Ramones record. They wow. they went ahead and, you know, it's like 12 songs, all just giant bass, exuberant vocals. You know, obviously they're, you know, I mean, and they're incredibly gifted lyricists. And, you know, and, you know, while they aren't plumbing the same depth. Gifted vocalists, you, you mean, I think, right? No, they're, no, I mean, they're incredible lyricists. Yes, and I'm sold. I mean, I, I, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting, and I love that. That album works as an album. Uh, yeah, every track. Every yeah. track on that is is ridiculous, and it's mm-hmm. it's gothy, it's dark, it's heavy, it's. So we, we just have like one minute left, and we're going to blaze through the rest of the top ten. Sorry. So the, the number eleven is is the National, which uh, you know we've devoted a, a great episode talking to them about making this record. It's called Sleep Well Beast. I, I definitely recommend you checking out that episode. Uh, find it on iTunes. Sam Smith at number 10, uh, the Queens of the Stone Age at number 8, and that's a fun, fun record. It, it is both a rock album and a pop album. Uh, Taylor, and, and again, an entire episode talking about Taylor's reputation. Go check that out. Uh, Khalid, American Teen, which is a super, super fun, unique record, and I, I definitely recommend checking, checking that out. And uh, number 5, LC Sound System, American Dream, one of our American records. And impeccable, one of those comebacks. It's like they never left. Mm-hmm. In fact, they really didn't leave for that long. Yeah, right. So anyway, you have been listening to Rolling Stone Music Now. We have gone over the top fifty albums of the year, and thanks to Brittany Spanos and Chris Weingarten and John Dolan for being here. We'll be back next week at one p.m. here on Sirius XM's Volume Channel One Hundred Six. In the meantime, you can download us as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You, you can and should subscribe to us as a podcast, and you can and should leave us some nice reviews, especially on iTunes. We actually read all the reviews, and uh, it's been a, a couple weeks since someone said we should play longer clips of music, which is legally impossible, and every time I tell you that we cannot do that, uh, so I don't even have to chide anyone this week, but I'm doing it anyway. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we will be back next week. I'm Brian Hyatt, and this was Rolling Stone Music Now.
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.